Welcome back to another uh, Always More Wednesday on Crossing the Jordan. And guess what? We're going to continue with Mama Mary. And so this episode, we're going to be talking about her as the new Rachel. And Rachel was the mother of uh, uh, Joseph and Benjamin, and uh, who were two of the 12 uh, children of Israel back in the Old Testament, Jacob, right? And Rachel is the beloved wife. He had uh, 12 children, but the only two from Rachel, which is his beloved wife, was um, she gave birth to his last two children of Joseph and Benjamin. So there's actually this very profound connection between the life of Joseph and the life, and the life of Jesus. So it's a... Uh, um, uh, and we're going to go through that connection really quick as we see Jesus is the new Joseph. And it, because if we remember, it was precisely through Joseph's suffering, he becomes the savior of Israel, his 11 brothers, and the Gentiles, the Egyptians, right? Because he was um, under, uh, um, he was in Egypt, he was enslaved there, but then he became uh, like this uh, dream reader and everything like that. Um, so he was very honored in, in Egypt. And so he actually came to save the rest of his brothers who betrayed him, the savior of Israel, and he became the savior of the Gentiles, which were the Egyptians. So let's like look at the parallels. In the life of Jesus, or, uh, Joseph, the life of Joseph. Joseph is the firstborn of Rachel and the beloved son of Jacob, the life of Jesus. Jesus is the firstborn son of Mary and the beloved son of God. Joseph is sold to the Gentiles for 20 silver pieces by Judah, one of 12 brothers. Jesus is sold to the Gentiles for 30 silver pieces by Judas, one of the 12 disciples. Jo- Joseph is with two condemned men, a cupbearer and a baker, one of whom is pardoned and given physical life. Jesus is crucified with two condemned men, one of whom is forgiven by Jesus and given everlasting life. Joseph is 30 years old when he enters Pharaoh's service. Jesus is 30 years old when he begins his ministry. Joseph is exalted to the right hand of Pharaoh, rules over the kingdom of Egypt. Jesus is exalted to the right hand of God, rules over the kingdom of heaven. Joseph saves Israel and the Gentiles from death and feeds them life-giving water. Jesus saves Israel and the Gentiles from spiritual death and feeds them eternal life-giving bread. Joseph gives special honor to Benjamin, the youngest of the twelve at a banquet. Jesus gives special honor to the beloved disciple at the Last Supper. And if you remember, Joseph, uh, that reference to Joseph giving special honor to Benjamin, he was the youngest of the twelve. Jesus, he gave special honor to the beloved disciple uh, at the Last Supper. And um, there's a connection there between Benjamin and the beloved disciple. Benjamin literally means like the beloved of God. Um, And so uh, this last piece, Joseph is revealed to his brothers who do not recognize him at first after he is exalted to the throne of Egypt. Jesus is revealed to his disciples who do not recognize him at first after he is raised from the dead. And so uh, just again, Rachel is the beloved wife of Jacob, the father of the 12 tribes of Israel. Jacob fathered six uh, children through his wife, Leah, two of them through Leah's maid, Zilpah, and two of them through Rachel's maid, Bilhah, and then finally two of them through Rachel herself, which was Joseph and Benjamin. Rachel was the biological mother of Joseph, the the 11th of Jacob's sons, but the firstborn of the wife he loved. Joseph was the firstborn of Rachel, 
The reason Jacob favored Joseph and gave him the special garment was that in Jacob's eyes, Joseph was the firstborn son of Rachel, the wife he had always loved. So the entire story of Joseph in the Old Testament hinges on one fact. He was the firstborn son of Rachel. And Rachel dies while giving birth to Benjamin, the twelfth son of Jacob and the only, bro- the only full brother of Joseph. And so Rachel names the boy son of my sorrow, which in Hebrew was Benoni. And Jacob, he changes uh, this Benoni's name to something more positive, which is actually son of my right hand, Hebrew Benyamin. And so um, son of my right hand. And then uh, uh, Rachel actually dies giving birth to Benjamin, as we heard before. So she is buried on the road near Bethlehem. And the location of the tomb is known even to this day according to Genesis 35, 20. And Rachel is not just the mother of Joseph and Benjamin. She was also seen as the mother of all Israel, who somehow uh, she suffers with them and weeps for them even after her death, according to Jeremiah 31, 15. She was already, she was already passed away. And Jeremiah uh, sees, uh, you see right in Jeremiah 31, 15, that all of Israel uh, uh, believe um Rachel to be the mother of all of Israel, and she uh, weeps for the suffering of her children. And even to this day, they still go, uh, you can still go to Bethlehem, and people will try to intercede through Rachel, the mother of all Israel, right? So the key to understanding that passage of Jeremiah 31 5 uh, that um, prophesies, or not prophesies, but Jeremiah talks about uh, is Rachel being the mother of all Israel and she suffers with them and weeps for them even after her death. The key to that is to remember that Rachel's tomb was located near the place where the exiles were taken captive to the, by the Babylonians. So in other words, Jeremiah depicts the spirit of Rachel as still living, witnessing the suffering of her descendants and acts as the class mother who mourns and intercedes for her children. So it's precisely her intercession, Rachel's intercession, that succeeds in moving the heart of God. For in the very next verse in Jeremiah 31, God tells Rachel not to cry anymore because her word will be rewarded and her children will come back to the promised land. And you can see that in Jeremiah 31, 16 through 17. So that's directly in scripture. In Jewish tradition, Rachel was remembered as a woman of intense suffering because of her birth pangs and her death of giving birth to Benjamin. And so the geographical link between Rachel's tomb and the city of Bethlehem continued to be preserved in Jewish writings beyond the first century. So the reason Jacob buried Rachel at that particular spot is that, according to uh, Genesis Rabbah 82.10, it's a um, a first century, I believe it's a first century document um, from a uh, Jewish scholar. Uh, it says, Jacob foresaw that the exiles would pass on from thence. Therefore, he buried her so that she might pray mercy for them. And so Jews, Christians, and Muslims have come to regard the traditional site of Rachel's tomb near the city of Bethlehem as a holy place of prayer. So in, uh, in the ancient uh, rabbinic commentaries, Rachel is depicted not just as the matriarch of her people, but as the most powerful intercessor on behalf of Israel. In one tradition, both Abraham and Moses come to God weeping and pleading for Israel after the destruction of the temple in Jerusalem, but God does not answer their prayers according to Lamentations Rabbah 24. 
It is only when the matriarch Rachel intercedes with God on behalf of the sinful people that he responds, For your sake, Rachel, I will restore Israel to their place. So Rachel was regarded in a special way as the sorrowful mother of all Israel, whose special role was to to pray for and intercede on behalf of her children, even though she was no longer here on earth. And now when we move to the New Testament and we see the connections between Mary and Rachel, we see right in Matthew uh, 2, 16 through 21, this is right during King Herod's massacre of the infant children in Bethlehem. And it's in, uh, in Matthew 2, 16 through 21, it's quoting Jeremiah 31, 15 that we just read earlier. So the massacre of the infants happens Happen of the uh, the massacre of the infants happens in the vicinity of Rachel's tomb. So just as Rachel is buried on the road to Bethlehem, so the children who are who are slaughtered by Herod are from Bethlehem and the surrounding region. Although Rachel has died, she is somehow aware of the sufferings of her descendants, and she laments for them as the mother of Israel. That is why Matthew quotes Jeremiah's prophecy of Rachel weeping for her children. Matthew shares that Jewish belief that Rachel, though she has been dead for a long time at this point, she is not oblivious to the sufferings of her descendants. She knows what is taking place on earth and grieves for them. Uh, A Jewish scholar named David Flusser, he says this, In Matthew, the Gospel of Matthew, Rachel is a symbolic figure for the suffering mother, in this case, the suffering Jewish mother. And Rachel's pain for the dead children is also symbolic for the suffering of Mary in relation to her illustrious son. So we see there uh, Mary weeping not only for the persecution and exile of her own son, Jesus, but for the lives of all the boys who were massacred in the attempt to kill her child. So we see the connection between her and Rachel there. And then in Revelation chapter 12, verse 1 through 3, we see the vision of the woman in heaven is directly based on the dream of Joseph in which the sun, moon, stars symbolize Jacob, Rachel, and their 11 sons back in Genesis 37, 9 through, uh, 9 through 11. In Joseph's dream, the moon very clearly stands for Rachel, his mother. In the Jewish Bible, putting something or someone under one's feet is often an image for a royal dominion, according to Psalm 8-7 and Psalm 110-1-4. The implication of John's vision of a woman who is clothed with the sun, standing on the moon, and wearing a crown of twelve stars in Revelation seems to be that the mother, heavenly mother of the Messiah is exalted above all Israel, including the patriarchs and matriarchs of the Old Covenant. So that image of a woman crying out in her pangs of birth and anguish for delivery in Revelation 12.2 calls to mind the one woman whose anguish and childbirth explicitly described in the Jewish Bible, Rachel. Both Jewish scripture and tradition remember that Rachel suffered hard labor and that her pain was so severe that she died in childbirth. In the ancient Greek Septuagint, the Greek version of the Old Testament, Benjamin's name is actually son of my pain in in Genesis 35:18, And uh, she is also the mother of all of the children of God. In Revelation 12, 17, it says the, it calls uh, Mary's offspring the rest of her, the rest of her offspring. So just as Rachel was regarded in a special way as the mother of all God's persecuted children in the Old Testament in Jeremiah 31.15, so the heavenly woman clothed with the sun is mother to all those who believe in Jesus but are persecuted by the forces of evil. And then uh, just a connection to the beloved disciple that we hear about 
all throughout uh, the Gospel of John, specifically in the passion, death, and resurrection of Jesus. So Mary is being also depicted as the new Rachel in the Gospel of John, insofar as she becomes the mother of the beloved disciple through her sufferings on Calvary. So Jesus himself compares his crucifixion to the sorrow of a woman in childbirth, as we heard earlier. The image of a sorrowing mother giving birth would easily call to mind Rachel's Rachel's sorrowful delivery of her second son, Benjamin, in Genesis 35, 16-20. So just as Rachel gave birth to her second-born son, Benjamin, through suffering and dying in childbirth, so Mary spiritually gives birth to her second son, the beloved disciple, by her interior suffering and dying at the foot of the cross, which was the fulfillment of Simeon's prophecy of a sword piercing her own soul in Luke chapter 2, verse 35. And uh, this just is a, another, like a rec, uh, just uh, another cool input. So Mary it says that she pondered all these things in her heart as she pondered her divine son's commands, right? So every single time she would uh, ponder all these things in her heart is after hearing her divine son uh, have a command. And this is a direct, uh, resp- um, you see that in Psalm 119, 119 or 118, verse 47. And uh and Mary is directly participating in salvation and suffered with her son at the cross so that many hearts would be revealed to the new crea- for the new creation. So just as Rachel's soul departed and she died giving birth to Benjamin, so Mary's soul is slain by the sword of the suffering she experiences at the foot of the cross. It is precisely through her interior dying that she becomes the mother of another child, the Apostle John, the beloved disciple. If Mary is being depicted as a new Rachel and the Apostle John is a new as a kind of a new Benjamin, then this would provide an explanation for the otherwise really odd question of why the author of John's Gospel refers to himself as the beloved disciple. Benjamin, the son of Rachel, is identified not just as the younger brother of Joseph, Joseph, but as the beloved of God in Deuteronomy thirty three twelve. So just as Benjamin is the beloved of the Lord, so John is the disciple whom Jesus loved. By referring to himself as the beloved disciple, John indicates that he takes the same position amongst the twelve apostles that Benjamin once took among the twelve sons of Jacob, the beloved younger son of Rachel and the brother of Joseph. So in the Old Testament, it was Rachel. In the New Testament, it's Mary. In the Old Testament, it was Joseph, the firstborn son of Rachel. In the New Testament, it's Jesus, the firstborn son of Mary. The Old Testament, Benjamin was the son of Rachel's sorrow. In the New Testament, John uh, John, the Apostle John, he is the son of Mary's sorrow. In the Old Testament, 12 sons, Benjamin is beloved. In the New Testament, 12 apostles, John is beloved. So just as Benjamin was especially loved by Joseph because they were both sons of Rachel, so John is especially loved by Jesus because they have the same mother. Just as as Joseph was the firstborn son of Rachel in the Old Testament, so Jesus is the firstborn son of Mary in the New Testament. And just as Benjamin was the son of Rachel's sorrow because she had to die to give birth to him, so John becomes the son of Mary's sorrow because Mary becomes his mother only through the anguish of sorrow that she experiences at the foot of the cross. In 1 John, uh, just another tidbit, tidbit of uh, the gospel uh, author John, he also writes three letters, right? Um, in, the, in the first letter of St. John, he calls the, the readers beloved because he also calls the ones close to Jesus and Mary in his gospel, the beloved disciple. He calls himself the beloved disciple that was really close to Jesus and Mary and had Mary as his mother. And guess what he says in his letters? Beloved, because we are all God's children now. 
we are all God's children and in Jesus we are his brother and uh, therefore we become also uh, sons of Mary and Mary is also depicted as the mother of the church precisely because she's the new Rachel, right? So if Rachel was the matriarch of her people, the mother of all Israel, then it seems clear that Mary, the new Rachel, is the matriarch of the entire church. So those who bear testimony to Jesus as offspring of the mother of the Messiah in Revelation twelve seventeen. So just as Rachel was regarded as the mother of all Israel in the old covenant, so Mary becomes the mother of the church in the new covenant precisely through her sharing in the cross of Christ that she, in a sense, gave birth not only to John as her second son, but also to the church as a whole. So Mary is not the mother of the church because she happens to be the biological mother of Jesus. She is the mother of the church because she willingly consented to and shared in the sufferings of Christ on the cross through the redemption of the, uh, through the, redemption of the world is accomplished through the cross of Jesus. And she is also the mother of sorrows. Since Mary becomes our mother precisely through what she suffered at the foot of the cross, we can truly say that we are the children of Mary's sorrow. And, Mar- and Mary, she is our motherly intercessor in heaven. So if Rachel is, if Mary is the new Rachel, then she must be a powerful, powerful intercessor indeed, just like we see Rachel as regarded as for all of Israel. So if ancient Jewish tradition... Ra- in ancient Jewish tradition, Rachel was regarded as the most powerful intercessor with God on behalf of her children on earth. Same thing with Mary in the new covenant with her son Jesus, the most powerful intercessor here on earth for her children. So Jewish scholar Jacob Neusner says this, That is why I can find a Mary in Mary a Christian, a Catholic Rachel, whose prayers count when the prayers of great men, fathers of the world, fall to the ground. No wonder that when Rachel weeps, God listens. How hard then can it be for me to find in Mary that sympathetic, special friend that Catholics have known for 2,000 years? Not so hard at all. So yes, if Rachel, then why not Mary? And so, Mama Mary is the new Rachel. She is the mother of of Jesus. She gives birth to the rest of her children at the foot of the cross by... Uh, connecting her birth pangs to the pains of her son Jesus, giving birth to the beloved. She is the mother of the beloved disciple, just as Rachel was the mother of the beloved Benjamin or the beloved of God and also the mother of all Israel. And therefore, Mary is the mother of us all Christians.